Good evening, everybody. Welcome into a brand new episode of Chat 10 Sports. Obviously, I'm Trey Wynn. I'm on this side of the screen. We swapped it around because the man, Davey Hudson, is here with us of Outkick. Fox Sports Knoxville as well. Davey, man, appreciate you jumping in. Chase is out and about at a beautiful wedding, which is not to throw any shit at them, but horribly time for the sake of this huge game we have this weekend. Wait, so the wedding's Saturday? The wedding is Saturday. I believe it's like right in 3.30 kickoff. or th- Oh, man, that's awful. Well, Trey, first off, thank you for having me on. Really looking forward to the conversation today. I, I feel for Chase. Um, I mean, I had a friend like that just with even when we thought Tennessee wasn't going to be good, they're like, hey, don't worry. It's only going to be during QT Martin. So but I, can't, I can't imagine like, hey, it's uh, we're going for the Georgia game. But yeah. obviously things have turned out a lot different than I guess we were anticipating way back when mm-hmm. that was probably scheduled. No doubt, and this is actually Chase's second time. I think he was at a different wedding for the uh, the Bama game. Got some comments rolling in here from Steven Snyder. Welcome in from Houston. Go Vols. And Davey is our guy. We're going to be breaking down a ton of things tonight from, obviously, the Vols. Georgia, huge. Probably the game of the decade, the year for the Tennessee Vols. And, obviously, at Sanford Stadium, they are begging fans to come out by the droves to support this team, get loud. But um, – Good conversation we could have about college football as well. And the Titans go to Kansas City this weekend for Sunday Night Football. Primetime games. You never know what you're going to get when the Titans are the underdog. But, Davey, let's jump off from the top here with the Vols. Um, First off, number one team in the country for the first time. Correct me if I'm wrong, since 1998. Is that that, right? You're correct. Yeah. I'm I'm just thinking there were so many different reactions. But I wanted to get yours when the announcement was made of the Vols being number one. How did it hit for you, and, and what was the reaction on your side? As a fan, it was shocking. I mean, it's absolutely shocking. Like, well, I was expecting them to be number one whenever the college football playoff rankings came out. But if I was to go and, and hop back four months and get in the mindset of someone coming and saying, Davey, the Vols are going to be number one when that first ranking comes out, I would have called you crazy. There's nothing you could have said that would have made me believe that that was going to happen based off of living through – the Butch years, especially there at the end, because Butch's last year was when I first got into sports media. Then following that up, living in Knoxville, covering Jeremy Pruitt and that team. And then listen, last year I was like, hey, they had a they had a good season getting some things back on track. But to tell me, hey, we're going to go beat Florida, we're going to beat Alabama, and we're going to be right in the thick of things whenever we're playing Georgia for what is likely an opportunity to go to the SEC championship and the winner – is going to the college football playoff, barring a catastrophic loss from some lower-tier SEC team. Right. Yeah, and it's – it's. I mean, there's been a huge adjustment for a lot of people as far as watching games like the LSU game and then obviously Kentucky last week, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Chase and I were able to talk to, uh, Monday night uh, about that, but obviously Kentucky coming out with the potentially you know first-round pick with Will Levis coming through did not go that route. But I want to talk about one thing. And from last week that we saw was the defense coming to a point that it just dominated uh, pressures, sacks, obviously turnovers with one of the biggest hits I've seen in recent Tennessee you know, football with, from, from Slaughter and kind of lobbing the ball up there for an interception. But, I mean, let's talk about the defense for a second coming out of Kentucky and then even we can transition into going into Georgia. But what really stood out for you as far as what you saw last week from the Vols on defense? Well, it was just domination from the beginning. Well, let me back up. Outside of Kentucky's first drive, I mean, the Vols figured out what they're trying to do, and they made the necessary adjustments, shut them down, were able to force turnovers, 
Will Levis, who I, I still don't understand this hype around, hey, he's going to be a top five pick, one of the best quarterbacks in this draft class. I, I didn't see it before the season. I don't see it now. And I definitely don't know why anybody else that's watched that game and understands like what Tennessee was able to do is thinking, and you go back and you watch like Bryce Young, you see C.J. Stroud, or even just Hendon Hooker in trying to make that comparison. I, I thought Tennessee's defense was playing at a level to where they give you so much confidence going in that they're actually going to be able to go go make Georgia actually have to earn every single yard. And they weren't even fully healthy in that game. And yeah. Coach Heupel said, Tennessee, we're looking at on the back end and our secondary being the healthiest we've been all season come Saturday. So with that being the case, you got to be feeling pretty good. And Tim Banks done a remarkable job. I mean, we know stacking up against the, the Vols' biggest rivals from a talent standpoint, they don't really compare. You look at the 247 sports consensus ranking, mm -hmm. it's not an, a team where you're just like, yeah, we're on par with Georgia, Alabama. But they are scheming up. They're making it to where they are in these games. And I got to be feeling pretty good about how this defense looks going into Georgia. But where do you come on that with uh, on that line, Trey? Yeah, the one thing that – I mean <laughs> – consistently from even UT Martin into Kentucky tackling has been one of those things. I know guys are probably going for strips and trying to hit the ball, but then we're just not wrapping guys up. And it's, that's a little bit of a nitpick thing for me where you're just kind of fundamentally thinking, let's get better in that area, which if that is a continued issue that Georgia will expose that. And it's, you know, just more tape to be put on for, for both teams that could be potentially harmful as they get closer to that playoff. And um, yeah, I think just able to get, pressure to the quarterback and Jalen McCullough coming back you know he's going to have some rust from a couple weeks and just hit the ground running but I feel I feel pretty confident from what we've seen and again like LSU week let's hope that we can go into Death Valley even thank God for this noon game and just blow them out and it's the yeah. same thing at Neelan obviously we talked about this on Monday but Georgia doesn't really ever have a big home game because they're playing one of their biggest rivalries in Jacksonville for the cocktail party and Georgia Tech, it's like they, they might play in Atlanta. They don't really play, but they're actually having to try and rile up their fan base of here's how we here's when we need this team to be or this fan base to be loud. And it, it's amazing to hear them bark on a kickoff, but it doesn't know that it doesn't seem to be the actual same thing, even from Josh Dobbs, who was on 105, 104.5 The Zone with Buck Rising today. Just not really comparative from what, I mean, Tennessee can create at Neyland. And I'm, I'm curious to see. I don't know what you think of how the Vols are going to travel to Sanford. You know, the, the one thing I have seen from this fan base as of late is, one, I'll admit, we've been cocky. We have. I mean, after what we've been through the last 10 to 15 years, it's been remarkable to see. But even when we've been bad, you still see Vol Nation turnout. And Vol Twitter's talked about a lot they're as active as ever. And so I, I think it's going to be a, a good crowd for Vol Nation outside of the stadium. Now, as far as inside, like you mentioned it, Georgia doesn't have a ton of games where it's like, hey, people are circling it and looking forward to it. So mm -hmm. I bet a lot of their fans have probably held on to this ticket ever since you saw, oh, Tennessee might actually be able to do something about a month ago. Yeah. And with it being that one game where it's like, hey, we're anticipating something big happening, i Again, going back to no one thought this would be a, a one versus two matchup or one versus three, whichever poll you're wanting to look at. It, and it's turned into the most expensive ticket in regular season history in the, the world of college football. Right. So and I think yeah. the last I saw, I'm going to check some of my bookmarks here on Twitter as far as I think it was around that 565 
dollar you know ticket price which i mean coming out of alabama we thought that was going to be crazy and i mean that atmosphere there this is again like what we are all living for for sec football but for tennessee to be back up here we've talked about the adjustment and that you know um that decade or decade or two of just dysfunction and now that we can actually believe I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident coming out of Kentucky and saying, okay, we might get started slowly, but the offense is going to wear the defense down. Obviously Georgia, uh, I'm thinking of his name towards pectoral, uh, Nolan Davis, Nolan Smith, Smith. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, torn, you know, that's a huge loss for them. You hate to see that for, for the sake of anybody who's probably now going to move on from Georgia and go to the NFL from that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, big loss for them there. So there are things that I feel that the Vols do very well that Georgia can be exposed at because Kent State, 22 points allowed. Missouri, 22 points allowed. Florida, 20. It's like, what is this Tennessee team going to do against a – there's a lot of film of Georgia allowing probably not as talented teams, to put it nicely, to, to be able to score on them. You know, which I don't know what you think about that if, if you're feeling confident of just – moving from the defense to the offensive side, this thing is clicking on all cylinders in a way that I don't know. Has Have, have we ever seen a Vol team this good or even in a bigger perspective in college football? I, I don't think we've ever seen a Vol's offense this good. I know a lot of people want to make the comparison to 2019 LSU. I'll be honest. I got to go back further, and I'm going to bring Josh Heupel into this conversation. For those who have followed me for a while now, you know I love Mike Leach. I'm a huge Mike Leach guy getting the air raid going. And so in you're looking at a former Florida defensive coordinator named Bob Stoops that Oklahoma hired at the turn of the century. He comes in there. They struggle the first year, but they had an opportunity to go for a quarterback. Everyone's thinking, hey, we're going to go with this guy who's got a big arm. But Mike Leach is like, no, we just need to go with this guy. He makes the right reads. He's smart. He's accurate. We're going to get Josh Heupel. And so Josh Heupel ended up being the starting quarterback for Oklahoma back in 2000, and they end up – coming out of nowhere and winning the national championship. He's a Heisman runner up. And so I feel like you're kind of seeing that 20 years later where I know Hooker was a guy that transferred in Hooker was, or sorry, coach Heupel back in his playing days. I mean, he was a Juco guy and it wasn't like anyone ever thought this guy was going to be able to do any, do anything great. And yet becomes a Heisman runner up, takes his team to a national championship. And right now we're having that same conversation with Hendon Hooker, who he's got to bring in, run this offense, and he's making the right reads. And with, with Hypo being the mastermind here, this thing is just it's – it's been flawless to watch on the offensive side. And going back to what can Georgia do this game, if we, if we wanted to get into the schematics of it, mm -hmm. can Georgia's defensive backs, their corners, just cover our guys without extra help? If their corners can shut down our wide receivers, no problem. Georgia's going to win this game, and it'd probably be pretty convincing. But yeah. no one's been able to do that yet. And so what happens is they got to give extra help on the wide receivers, and we've seen Jalen Hyatt light it up. We've seen Brew McCoy make a lot of great plays, and we know Cedric Tillman, preseason All-American, he is a guy that went for 200 yards last year against what was an even better Georgia defense. Mm -hmm. And they lost five guys to the first round of the NFL. So can – if, if Georgia's defensive backs can't cover those wide receivers and they have to bring help, all that's going to do is open up the run game for the Vols. And Heupel is not afraid to run it. People think that this is an offense that's going to be pass, pass, pass. But if you look at the numbers, Tennessee runs, I believe sure. the number is 50. Sorry, it's uh, they run 
58.2% of the time. Hmm. So if you look at that, they're willing to put the ball on the ground. And if Georgia's having to make it to where we got the one-on-one matchups on the inside, Tennessee's shown in the Kentucky game, they can take a 15-play drive, run it for 13 of those plays, go down, score a touchdown. Yeah, they're doing it well. I mean, like you're saying, I mean, they're able to get that, even the slants, the passing game with, I mean, Jalen Hyatt, I think, is is getting so much necessary credit. Obviously, the comparisons to – um, you know, other Heisman winners at this point in the season and the stats he's putting up, it's nuts. But like you said, I mean, having Tillman coming back, Brew McCoy's been coming out and playing really well. Dude, big body guy just able to, to put it on and position himself and, and make those catches to convert. I mean, I feel that Tennessee offensively, I think they can have their way with defense for the most part. I think they could probably throw some interesting things giving, you know, it's, it'll be a chess match on that side. It just yep. does for me come down to the Tennessee defense again against Bennett and the offense and Bauer. And I mean, uh, you know, lad, this little Wes Welker 2.0 guy who can just shift his way through any type of screen. Um, I'm excited as a college football fan, obviously my bias with the balls, I want to see them win. But I do want to throw this at you because either I've, I've heard from other Vols fans, I've heard from from Georgia fans as well. The loser of this game can benefit because the the, the layout and how it all could go in a one loss and you know skip the SEC championship. Are you thinking in that way of just like show up on Saturday, win, take care of what you can, and read and react if you need to? But just you're thinking of plowing forward and not thinking about Plan Bs, or, or where are you at with that? Well, I always try to look at every possible position whenever you're taking just one team in general. Like, all right, what we got to look at multiple angles. Balls win, they're going to the SEC championship. They lose the SEC championship, they're still going to get in the college football playoff. I, I think that's even the case. And, like, I mean, there, there's, there, there's very few situations. Like, I mean, because if Clemson, TCU, they went out, I'd be curious to see what the committee does with those two teams. But we know Michigan, Ohio State, one of them suffering a loss at some point. And, I mean, the SEC West still going to play itself out yeah. this weekend, whether mm-hmm. if, if Alabama takes a loss to LSU, I think both of those two teams likely going to miss. I mean, Ole Miss has only got one loss. They still got the big game with Alabama coming up. But the big thing for me was if, if I'm taking a step back and I'm looking at this from a Tennessee perspective, all right, let's say we do lose and we find a way to where – you win the rest of your games and you're sitting there at 11 and one at the end of the regular season with another, if if some other, I wouldn't necessarily say chaos happens, but some things fall your way. You're looking at saving your guys an extra game where they're taking some body blows from what's going to be a good sec team. I mean, you look at the sec West, it has been the most dominant league or division in all of college football over the last several years. Mm -hmm. So that's one less game you got to do there. Obviously there's still a chance you don't make the college football playoff if that does happen. But right now I think the numbers are showing you still have about a 63% chance of losing this game and still making the college football playoff. And what the committee told us on Tuesday when they they released their initial rankings, they, they told us that this game on Saturday is more important for Georgia to win than it is for Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. already has some quality wins. Georgia's got one from the beginning of the year against Oregon. And Oregon, fortunately for them, they've turned their season around. They've done really well since then. But – Georgia's just not winning these matchups that we've seen. Now, obviously, on Saturday, they got a chance to get a, a great Beautiful. win on their resume when you look at the team that the committee's put number one. But at, as of where we sit in this moment, it's more important for Georgia to win on Saturday than it is for Tennessee. Yeah, and I think for the Vols even coming in to date, like you're saying, I think they have to record five, you know, five 
ranked opponent wins this season, which is fantastic, man. But I'm thinking even if they were to, to lose and be defeated, all that kind of stuff, Georgia does not have the equivalent of that resume where I feel if if it does shake out, SEC championship, whatever happens with LSU and Alabama this weekend, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming old Saban's going to come through and we're going to see what we know Alabama historically to be in the last five to ten years. But you just never know. And I'm thinking even to date, it, it is – Everybody, you know, I feel like everybody who has a sound opinion in, in a sports media atmosphere can say the Vols should be number one right now. And I don't know how much the margin is or how much the gap is between the rest of the resumes, but already, I mean, performance-wise, opponents, like SEC schedule, like the Vols have been through it. Even Pittsburgh for that first week. I mean, that was a, a obviously first week of adjustment and things like that, but They've come a long way as well, and they've progressed. And I'm thinking at the time of the playoffs, I don't foresee the Vols being one of those teams that gets in and just gets the crap kicked out of them by one of these powerhouses. I thought they could could do the opposite. But all that to say, to look forward to Saturday, um, yeah, I agree completely that, that Georgia almost needs this more, and it seems there is more pressure on them to come out and be this big national championship defending team where it feels as a as, – I'm biased as I can to say it. Just they feel a little bit on their heels of, I mean, encouraging fans to do things. It's not officially Georgia doing that, but it's like this is a big enough game. You shouldn't even need a thumb in the back to get get hyped for this one. Yeah, you you should be hype if you're a Georgia fan right now because I mean your season could be on the line because if if you lose that 11 and one situation I talked about for Tennessee, I mean that's definitely the, a possibility for uh, Georgia as well because let's say Tennessee wins out. They go and they have to rematch against Alabama in the SEC championship, and Alabama gets the upper hand on them. Well, we know the odds of three SEC teams making the college football playoff, not very likely, and so Georgia is going to get the short end of the stick there because there's no way Tennessee beats Georgia in the regular season, and you're looking at Tennessee being a one-loss team with their only loss to Alabama in the SEC championship and Georgia losing the head-to-head. We already know how that's going to play out if that isn't the case. Like you mentioned, Trey, you mentioned Georgia and just getting their fans ready. How do you think Kirby's going to have his team ready? Because, I mean, we know people use bulletin board material all the time now. The college football playoff rankings coming out and they're like, wait, we're number three. We're the defending national champions. We have not lost a game. What what do you think that is going to do for this Bulldog team? Well, I'll, I'll say this because I think of Alabama week and I think of Willie Anderson, which if you're a college football fan, you know Willie Anderson's probably going to be a first-round pick, even if not a first overall pick. But of the Saban, Saban method and disciples, for him to say after that Tennessee game that we were we didn't bring the energy, you know, however he put out, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I fully anticipate Kirby trying to, you know, diffuse whatever pressure that they would feel in-house and it prepare them as much as they can. And, and we got to realize 2017, obviously Alabama beating them and Georgia in, in the national championship, but then coming right back, Georgia has the ability and the resilience to obviously endure the SEC. They, they're, they're that, that MMA fighter, that boxer who has done this. They've been to that championship round, you know, fourth and fifth round where you have to dig deep and go hard. Tennessee's obviously new at that. So that, that is one thing I think Kirby does bring to the table. He is, you know, in, in, I can't say this specifically in the same way Vrabel does it for the Titans, but Vrabel makes such a difference in planning, you know, scheming and all the above that it feels Kirby 
as one of the few disciples of Saban to to come off the tree and have a lot of success and, and beat Saban. Um, I mean, I'm never going to slip on Kirby Smart, and I feel that he is he is fully honed in and tuned in of what the implications are. Um, but it also feels on the other side for Josh Heupel. I mean, he's got a great culture in that that locker room and that building uh, for that team to go out there and just to say, "Hey, do your thing, be yourselves." And like you said, they they did pretty well last year against a better Georgia defense. So again, it's just those it's the mental games that can that can come on and, and create that pressure for a, a team that's traditionally good that can cause them to choke. I do want to say as well, one difference from the Alabama game is that Bama had a ton of penalties, missed a field goal. Like that game could have gone different for several reasons. Where I think Tennessee's going to have to be as disciplined as they can and as, as frugal and as, as protective of the football as they can be. Um, but I want to see Hendon Hooker just do what he's done all year. And especially on that, that level, because it, it seemed as good as Bryce Young was at with Alabama, he hung right there with him. And obviously Bennett, I wouldn't compare Bennett and Young together, but Hendon seems to be the, the favorite as far as quarterback performances for this weekend. So a lot to said there, but um, does that answer the question as far as just, Kirby Smart. Yeah, no, it does. He's, he's going to get him ready as, as far as I think using the the rat poison, as Nick Saban would call it, as, as yeah. Kirby being one of his disciples. I mean, he understands those tactics. And Tennessee, Josh Heupel's telling his team, like, guys, you're not going to be able to block out the noise. Just enjoy the moment. Get ready. Mm-hmm. Let's go out there and have fun. And you can tell this team has fun. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, when you're winning, it's fun. But it's you look more into the atmosphere of what they're doing behind the scenes. And you're seeing more of that, especially when you compare it to even during the good small stretch that they had under Jeremy Pruitt. It was never a, hey, we're doing this. We're playing this game because it's fun. We're doing it because it's football. And we're just going to go out there and we're going to win. And winning is fun. They're, it's a different approach between yeah. Josh Heupel and, and Pruitt and how they've basically done a 180 from a couple of years ago to where we currently sit. Well, I'll, I'll say a perfect example of that is Darnell Wright because his game is, has gotten better. And it's, and it's crazy to think of, you know, him coming in with, with Pruitt and, and being there, then coming out of that period. And I think a lot of people have seen dysfunction in that period, but for him to be a benefactor or beneficiary of this new kind of approach, it's like his, he's been wonderful. You know, I mean, it's it's been fun to watch him and to get back into his game. But um, but I think just obviously winning does fix a lot of things. The Vols are not perfect. There are, there are other areas that, um, you know, they're going to have to come come quick and come ready with Georgia. But um, I know we're kind of halfway point for our show. We're getting close. I do want to talk about the LSU-Alabama game, yeah. get your take. And and obviously for, for Brian Kelly, the way that you started with what was it, the, the, the media member coming after a, a loss or two, or, or I don't know if it was three losses. Um, but obviously Brian Kelly has clapped back pretty quick here and gotten the ship fairly right. Didn't, didn't exactly do what they wanted to do out of the gate, but what do you think that they have to do? And I don't know how much people really put into this, but death Valley at night is not an, your average college football place. You know, the atmosphere, weird things happen. I mean, do you foresee any chance that Brian Kelly and the Tigers could upset Saban and the, the Todd upset. I'm going to say no, but I do think they can keep it closer than the experts think. I, I mean, the atmosphere is going to play a, a role in this, but, but the biggest thing for me with Alabama right now is they're in desperation mode because they realize one more loss, their season's over. Yeah. And at Alabama from the Nick Saban era, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you win a national championship. And once that's over and, and that, dream no longer lives in that season. It's like, all right, time to start working for next year. And right now 
while Brian Kelly has done an admirable job of getting LSU, even though they've always had talent, they've had talent. I mean, hell, they won the national championship back in 2019. It wasn't mm-hmm. like they were that, uh, they lost that much. I know they, being in Louisiana, listen, there's a five-star football throwaway <laughs> from wherever you're, you're sitting. Yeah. At. Right. <laughs> um, so that talent's there. The atmosphere is going to be there, but I just don't see LSU being able to stop Bryce Young. And if they are mm-hmm. able to stop Bryce Young, I don't see them stopping Jameer Gibbs. The biggest yeah. thing with Tennessee was Alabama took the ball out of Jameer Gibbs' hands, and that's what cost them at the end of the day, in my opinion. I, I don't see anybody on LSU being able to slow them down, and I don't think LSU can score into the 40s or 50s like we we've seen Tennessee do to beat Alabama. So mm-hmm. it's going to take a bad night for Alabama for LSU to win this game. And I don't think Alabama playing desperation, desperation mode football is going to be happening. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it'll be a game going into the fourth quarter, but I, I see the tide rolling out of there with about a 10 point victory when it's all said and done. Yeah. Right now ESPN is showing a, a 74 or 76.4% chance for Alabama to win according to their matchup predictor. But you know, Minus 13 and a half for Alabama right now. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I feel like this is the first time for Alabama to feel what you just said. If we lose one more game, our season is over. And that's probably new to them. In the same way, the, the Vols are, are getting used to this publicity and on the, the national stage. What is this, the third time we're doing college game day this year? Yeah. Like, incredible things. But – this is not your average Alabama team. And I don't know if they're shell-shocked of, like, we're not used to doing this and being in this position. But all that to say, I will be definitely keeping my eyes on that game this weekend. I did want to throw this one at you, too. It caught my eye. Notre Dame, Clemson, always like, I don't know, man. Clemson, with the quarterback issues, the the switch against, what was it, Illinois? Um, or, or was it Syracuse? But um, the, the change there a couple weeks ago, it just made me think that if Notre Dame's clicking like they were a week or two ago, I forget who they were playing yeah. as well. But but they've got the ability to, to compete with a, with a good Clemson team if they're having one of those sour days. Yeah, I mean, like the, the one note I have beside Notre Dame is Jekyll and Hyde because uh, you mentioned it. They lost to Stanford 16-14 to 14 in South Bend. Uh, they beat North Carolina pretty decisively. North Carolina, they've been playing better as of late. I mean, that's really the the ACC with Clemson. Their only current team that I think could really sneak in there and cause some havoc as far as keeping Clemson out of um, the ACC championship if Clemson walks away with a win in, in South Bend. So can Notre Dame put together a full game? At least they're at home at three and a half where the line's been sitting at for this one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm curious. It's, it's weird that um, – that line's this close whenever you just look at what Clemson's been able to do this year. But, yeah, Notre Dame, great win against Syracuse last week. Wasn't really in question. And as a Tennessee fan, I, I will say this. If the Vols win on Saturday, I want to see Clemson win as well. So I, I think that's a good matchup if, if you're able to get into the college football playoff where it currently sits of the one versus four. So Right, right. That's a, I mean, <laughs> a new thing for us as Vols fans to really be talking about matchups at that point and thinking about far ahead. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, gonna be a, an awesome Vols game again. Like we've tried, I was trying to pick out some games for this weekend. It's like there's not a ton of really good college football, but the NFL is heating up because obviously a massive trade deadline. I wanted to get your thoughts there, just in a league-wide perspective. Huge historic day. What was it? You know, over 10, 10 plus trades. Um, obviously, some of those done last week because of, you know contract issues and trying to get guys moved, but. Um, obviously, the Tennessee Titans did not make a move. I don't know if you were surprised by that, content with that, upset with that. Some folks, man, 
defeated right now as far as not making a move. Yeah. But what were your thoughts, Davey? So if I'm looking at it purely from a Tennessee Titans perspective, I'm really concerned about the wide receiver position. And I mean, like I'm not putting off any alarms of like, no one's thought of this. Is it right now you have Robert Woods at wide receiver. That's the only really NFL worthy wide receiver that we've seen do something before in, in this sport. Mm -hmm. And I, I know you can say, well, they got Traylon Burks. He, he'll be back eventually. Uh, we liked what we saw from Kyle Phillips week one. There's a chance Racy McMath comes back. He was our deep ball guy that they were talking about preseason. Well, listen, like I know after this week against Kansas City, Burks is eligible to return from IR. Doesn't mean he's going to be. Turf toe is something that could linger on for a while. Um, I mean, they put Kyle Phillips on IR. So it's like, do you think you can just continue to win these games and do something in the playoffs, just only relying on a run game and relying on your defense? And what we've seen with the modern NFL, you can't do that. And I think the big thing for Titans fans is they want to see this team do what the Miami Dolphins did and be like, you know what? We've got a chance right now. We're going to make the move happen to where we can go. We're not afraid to talk about Super Bowls, as Tua Tunga Viola said. And mm -hmm. so we're going to make the necessary moves to do that and to put ourselves in that position. Tennessee, you really shouldn't have to worry about the AFC South at the moment. We look at the competition around there. Nobody's sneaking up and, and going to be putting, uh, wow, where did this team come from whenever you look at what they currently have at their disposal? So Tennessee's going to make the playoffs. As of right now, I don't see them doing anything once they get there. I want to be proven wrong, and maybe there's a situation where Burks comes back and he can be dynamic. But from what I saw just early on, he's not there yet. He's going to need more time to develop. So I would have loved to have seen them go out and maybe try to get a Chase Claypool. Uh, we talk about the salary cap situation all the time. Titans weren't in a good situation there going into the trade deadline. They weren't going to be able to take on a big contract. People are talking about, like, ah, oh, maybe go get Brandon Cooks. One, Cooks isn't going to be traded to an in-division uh, foe. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, could you get a guy on a rookie contract? And they weren't able to or they weren't willing to give up a second rounder. I, I mean, I don't think if the Bears are offering me a second rounder versus the Titans, I'm going with the Bears' second round pick. We know that's going to be a higher, higher in the draft. So I'm, I'm a little frustrated that nothing happened. I can understand there might not necessarily being something there to happen as far as what you could have at your disposal. Where do you where do you come off on that one though, Trey? Were you upset with what the Titans decided or didn't or decided not to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's the classic. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed kind of thing. Just because yeah. of the choices that the Titans made for the last three years, where to bring your point up as far as what the Dolphins are doing, they're pushing their chips in. The Titans did that with was it Davion Clowney? I mean, bringing in Julio Jones. Now we don't have a fourth round pick because of that. We've burned up a bunch of money. Lawan's gone. Harold Landry's gone. Like all of our, you know, all, all of our money's tied up in some ways. And we'll talk about Jeff Simmons in a little bit. But I get it. But it's like, are we going to continue to pick the remains of these practice squad hopefuls of like we saw good things out of him, but guys like you know. Um, Andrew Adams coming out of nowhere, uh, just performing awesome. But how long can you poke these little yeah. holes in, in the tarp and seal them up with duct tape that it's not going to just completely fall through? Because I feel, and this is, again, we can get into the Jeff Simmons stuff as far as after this season, we could see a very different Titans team and for a lot of different reasons. I mean, I'm not going to be shocked if we see a big left field surprise cut. And this is obviously way down the line, but I'm just thinking – They've gotten themselves in, in such a tight spot with the cap, and it is – people always say that's a – it's a ever-flowing number, and there's cash flow, and there's – you know, 
I get it. But at the end of the day, you can only rob Peter to pace Paul so many times and want to maintain the place that you're in as far as competing with the, the make, make the playoffs, maybe first or second round exit is what the Titans are kind of living for and have lived for until we go past it. Because again, the margin that is so thin of like last year against the Bengals, those three interceptions, yep. the, 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 the spotty play calling of Todd Downing, it's like they had the opportunity. And no wonder Tannehill and probably John Robinson were going to therapy. That stuff is like, damn. Like, you know getting there is, is going to cost you so much. But here and now, it's like they've, they've written so many checks. Some of them have bounced with the performances of and obviously draft picks that we could go on and on about. But – here and now, it feels, and we said this a, a little while ago about last year with Mike Vrabel as coach of the year. It's like, is John Robinson making Vrabel perform at a head coach of the level, uh, head coach of the year level to make these guys who are coming off benches at, at other teams and coming out and performing? It's just a very, very complicated, very like layered situation for the Titans. But that's kind of where I'm at as far as the trade deadline. I'm just thinking hopefully we can get it right at some point and quick. Yeah. I mean, and you talk about it as far as like, it's all about your window. And I, I honestly think the Titans missed their window last year with that loss to the Bengals. You had everything going for you, home field advantage. You'd managed to get your guys back from injury and they rushed Derrick Henry back too soon. Should have just run with a hot mm -hmm. hand. That was Deontay Foreman. I know hindsight's 2020 in that respect, but it's frustrating because you look at it and you're like, man, we had all these pieces. And it's like, how much longer can Derrick Henry go? He's had a great season to this point, but we eventually know his body is going to break down. And maybe like on the off chance, he's like Frank Gore and can just do it year after year after year. But still this level of eliteness, it's eventually going to falter. And if you don't have any guys on the outside at the wide receiver position, you're just not going to do much in this day and age as great as your defense might be. Yeah. And I think, I know the relationship between you know Amy Adams Strong, John Vrabel, and, and Mike, or excuse me, John Robinson and Mike and Mike Vrabel is great right now. Um, but they're also on that point where a stadium's in the in the process of being talked about and finalized and all the above there. But if this team just falls out, because here's the thing, we'll talk about some Jeff Simmons conversation. Because for all of that that are listening that don't know, I mean, the Athletic put a great piece out as far as conversations with Jeff Simmons, as far as his conversations with the, the Tennessee Titans, and where they stand, and what was explained in a in a my paraphrasing, that basically the Titans told him we are not sure where the money's going to be coming from right now. Which, and again, this is your point, Davey, and I'll let you kind of take it from here. Today, we don't know where that money's coming yeah. from. Brother. And and again. It's not going to be an issue during the season. I think they, they realize that. But with, with Jeffrey Simmons, it's it's funny, Trey, because actually the first time you and I met talking about John Robinson, what he's been able to do as a as a GM, we met during the draft in Nashville. In Nashville, And it was the best draft that John Robinson had. Took Jeffrey Simmons in the first round, A.J. Brown in the second round, Nate Davis in the third. You get Amani Hooker in that draft as well, David Long. I mean, we're talking about guys that uh, – Contributing. Two of them, two of them are – basically all pro level players, right. you got three quality starters in addition to that. And so now we're just kind of looking thinking, man, that would have been what set us up here. But with Jeff Simmons, you do have the fifth year option that you're going to be able to tack on next year. Um, from his standpoint, he's thinking, Hey, I'm basically just right below Aaron Donald. As far as production, I should be getting this money. But as it relates to where are we going to pay him from now? I think a lot of that conversation was, 
if he's going to get that contract extension earlier, if the Titans are trying to do something with what they have in 2022 from a cap situation, it would be very hard to maneuver that around. Uh, we saw them try to maneuver the cap before with putting a, to where Ryan Tannehill is basically the highest cap hit quarterback in the league. And so if they're basically, and I'm, I'm hoping this is kind of what comes from, they're just like, Jeff, play this year. We're going to get everything set up for you in the off season. We'll get you the contract. We want you to be a, a huge piece for what we want to do moving forward as far as our core players go. And we know he's a difference maker. I mean, no one's going to dispute that one bit. So can you look at it and just think maybe they were just saying, hey, we can't give you the money right now for 2022, but come 2023, cap's going to be a little bit of a different situation. We'll be able to maneuver some things around and work with you there and get you the contract that, one, you deserve, and two, it's, it's one that's going to help this team moving forward. Is, is What's your take on this one, Trey? Well, I think the immediate jump for a lot of Titans fans because they just got dumped by a guy that's now going – off in in philly i mean he's playing tonight probably as we speak i don't know how the game's going for him but he he was and is the best true one number one wide receiver the titans have ever drafted let alone maybe just in general have, have had on the team um i mean last week watched him pointing out at minka fitzpatrick and whomever the other db was he's just easily catching these balls and just saying one two and i'm you know he's he's catching his third touchdown or whatever but I don't think it's the same thing. I think Jeff Simmons, maybe, you know, I wrote an article at chat10.com talking about this whole situation where the truth's in the middle here somewhere. Like the Titans can probably be as transparent as possible saying we don't have the money. And they're not going to say, well, Jeff, wait till we cut Tannehill and Lawan and potentially Derrick Henry. Austin Hooper's probably going to be out of here. It's like they're not going to say all that stuff, man. Like it, But I get it from Simmons' side. Like the Titans did overcommit with Jarrell Casey, and then they shipped him off for a seventh-round pick. And, you know, who knows if he had more gas in the tank there. But I, I don't blame Simmons for trying to get his his bag and putting this story out or whatever this yeah. you know the, the context was there. But it's like if they're playing chess, seeing what he's doing last week against the Texans where he's shoving the guards so forcefully back that the, rest, that the running back's running into him and falling over. It's like this guy is the guy. He is the man. Someone's going to pay him, and I, I do fully believe, just to be like nailing the coffin about it, the Titans will find a way to pay this man because as much as the A.J. Brown situation went awry and there's so many complicated sides of he said, well, he said, and they both walked away, they have a massive reputation now to the point that former players are saying, we wish the team was like this when we were here, that they're paying guys, the Lawans, the Henrys, the, the Kevin Byards, the Landry's. It's like we don't have to worry anymore. It's just a matter of maneuvering to the point. I feel I feel they did it last year with Saf, you know, Saffold moving on, cutting some bait there. I would imagine Lawan's probably going to eventually fade off into the sunset and do his thing. But I, 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 that's maybe further down the line there. But just thinking, like you said, fifth year option, they have time to figure some of these things out and shake it out and, and let it let it rest. So, any last thoughts there with Jeff Simmons? I mean, it was one of those things. They didn't have the money, but before the season started, I said they need to go ahead and lock him up long-term because all he's going to do is continue to make it to where he's more expensive at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're seeing that now. And it's it's just going to it's gonna cost them more money, but if they didn't have the money to pay him then, they didn't have the money to pay him then. But that, that's on them for not having their books in a situation where they could, I guess, see that going forward. But, yeah, they I mean, they need this piece, if they, especially if 
they're not going to get the help at the wide receiver position and be able to have a passing attack that's going to be comparable to other top NFL teams. That defense has to be absolutely lights out. And they've done a really good job of that so far this year. uh, Yeah. Minus the Buffalo Bills game. So, yeah, when it's, this is that test. I mean, talking about high-powered offense, we're, we're talking Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead, which traditionally speaking, the Titans have done fairly well. Henry actually come to find this today, this stat. Obviously, his best outings have been against the Houston Texans, but the second best outings he's had is, is against the Kansas City Chiefs. And in some of those instances, against them at home at Arrowhead. So I don't know what to think right now as far as I think the last I saw the line, it was maybe 12 and a half, yeah. uh, you know, for for KC at home. I, I don't know if I buy that. I don't know. Well, Vrabel, I, I don't know. What to think. Yeah, go ahead and tell me your yeah, thoughts. I'm going to say Vrabel does a good job of getting his teams ready. But the big thing right now and I'm looking at is Andy Reid is pretty, pretty remarkable, at least as far as winning whenever he's coming off a bye. Yeah. I, I think for his career and they just constitute this as uh 13 days or more, according to the Action Network, but he's like 17 and two straight up off of how they're defining a buy. But the, the big thing for me is just looking at the health going into this game. And right now, you look at the Titans injury report, and it's it's basically a couple of pages of paper as I'm scrolling through that. I look at Kansas City. The only did not practice they had in today's game or today's practice was tied in Jody Fortson, who I couldn't have told you he was on the team. And whenever I think of the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm like, well, they're not hurting a tight end when they have Travis Kelsey. So, right. I mean, right now, it, it really is 50-50 on whether Tannehill plays. So, yeah. if he doesn't play, you might as well – you could put the house on Kansas City winning this game. And I, I think at that point they win it with ease. Yeah, and that's – well, from what we saw from Malik Willis, I know a lot of people were buying in and saying, hey, this first-round guy slips to the third. I'm glad the Titans did take him at, at you know where they got him. But after seeing last week, I feel they they probably could have let him slip to the fifth or sixth round potentially because this guy, I mean, it's there was foot, you know, there's there's game film of on the same play, two different receivers coming open, him tucking the ball down, looking like a scared cat, like just shuddering. And I mean, it's it's a first, I get it, it's the first debut, yeah. But for a guy that was graded at his level and has been the backup, he has been the guy, and I don't know what that relationship is with him and Tannehill. Obviously, barring the preseason conversation of it's not my job to mentor the guy, how much is that really playing out right now? So I think that's huge if you go Tannehill or or Malik this weekend in a massive way. And I wouldn't play Tannehill unless he is, I mean, really hilled up. Like this isn't one where it's like even if he does play, there's a pretty high probability you're losing this game. I, I make sure he's ready for the following week if you're not feeling good about where you are going into this one. But the, the biggest thing for Malik with me is it's just he doesn't understand what NFL open is. Mm-hmm. And he's not making the throws when he needs to. And I think a lot of that is he's scared to make the turnover. Yeah. Because it's like all about I just don't want to go in there and make a mistake, especially with the Texans whenever it's like we know the game plan is we're going to hand yeah. it off to Derrick Henry 30 times. He's going to run for over 200 yards. And we're going to walk away with a win. Our defense is going to do well. That approach isn't going to work with the Kansas City Chiefs. We know even the best defenses are maybe going to hold them to the the low 20s, like 17 at best. The Colts game, that's a fluke in my opinion. But, yeah, they yeah. held them to 17. If the Titans can hold them to 17, you, you would sign up for that right now. Like, I don't think anybody's saying, I'm going to let the dice ride. Uh, so – that's that's my big thing with with Malik is he's just he's not seeing the field like you would want and hopefully that can grow over time he 
with with some more experience, like given another off season, he's more ready. I'm not by any means ready to pull the plug on that project yet, but it, as of right now, you know, if if Tannehill's done for the year, and I mean, I'm just throwing that out there as a hypothetical, mm-hmm. like this this team is done. Yeah. So it's it, it's sad, and I, I mean, I think for that reason, like you're going to see Tannehill come back next year. And with with that being the case, it's what can they do to kind of get Malik ready after the Tannehill era is over. But right now, I mean, this is Ryan Tannehill's team, and I don't see anything happening to change that, uh, mm-hmm. barring significant injury. You're saying for this year, or even going into next season? I, even going into next season as well. See, I, I think I think that's one of those things that, and then Craig's story coming in here with us as far as if I were the Titans, I would definitely be watching the quarterbacks coming out this year, whether it's free agency, whether it's draft, because. If they do free up a lot of that cash, I mean, hypothetically speaking, this has been a you know, some folks just saying, hey, they they could see this happening, but Derrick Henry could be on, off this team this year, this this next year, just to free up other monies, and obviously Ben Jones is getting up there. He's a, a pretty heavy contributor as far as salary impact, but I'm thinking that I'd be shocked to see Tannehill on this roster after this year. Now, like you're saying, if his value increases because of how desperate they're going to be because Malik is that bad. I think it's hard for a guy to come out, period, where people are saying this guy's ceiling could be Russell Wilson, knowing what he's done. And it's like this guy's obviously a good ways away in some aspects of his game from being even in the conversation. But Well, I guess to combat that, the one thing with Ryan is like, I think he is a great regular season quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is you want to win Super Bowls and you want to basically – be hoisting the Lombardi trophy and he doesn't have it to where you can get to that. But if, if your goal is to hang on for a little bit longer and just see if you can maybe get another year out of this core, add another wide receiver, get a left tackle in free agency, do something there. Cause I, I think Taylor Lewan's playing days are over. That, that's just yeah. my take on the situation. Yeah. Um, it's, you still have some of those pieces. We know the defense is sound. You're going to get Harold Landry back, uh, Bud Dupree starting to shape into form. So you, you've got an opportunity to make that run there and just hope that you're not having three turnovers in the divisional round of the playoffs. That's costing you the opportunity to play in the AFC championship. I, I'm not as out on Ryan Tannehill as a lot of people are. I know he's got some, he's got some flaws and it still hurts to think about that game against Cincinnati, but he is a much better option for this season and for next season unless something just drastically changes for Malik Willis. And that's not to say they don't look at the quarterbacks in this year's draft and say like, you know what? I really like this guy. I'm going to take him. But for what they want to do on the offensive side of the ball, Ryan Tannehill is that mold of a quarterback. And with where we sit, he's going to be your quarterback for at least this season and next season, um, barring some drastically significant change with how this team wants to move going forward. Yeah. And that's the, that's my question is how long are they going to continue to gamble? And then how long are they going to wait to fold and just say like, all right, it's inevitable. The Piper has come. He's, you know, we got to pay up and just lean into the rebuild because again, the AJ Brown trade had everybody saying, is this a soft rebuild? And I understand if he went dark and they got the opportunity to get a first rounder for him and Traylon Burks was there, like it all moved really fast, but here and now they got to be patient in some of these things and saying, okay, we saw Malik. It's one week. Let's let's move forward cautiously. But I think John Robinson's probably that dude sitting behind this massive desk with all these screens, just constantly like looking and searching and finding and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, that's it is a very interesting time for the Titans because having had what four or five winning seasons, playoff appearances, 
all the above, the standard is about to be in question if we're going to continue that route or what, what's going to happen. Well, and the, the other point, Trey, I want to add to that is you just also have to look at your own division because right now the Colts do not have a quarterback on that roster that they can right. build around moving forward. The Texans are a bleep show of all bleep shows, even though I think right now they're hanging in there with Philadelphia. Um, and Jacksonville, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is 5-20 and 20 for his first 25 career starts, which is the worst ever uh, for a first overall pick in the Super Bowl era. So if you look at that division, you're just like – it's probably not going to take a lot to just run this back for, I think they're going to hold on, get their third in a row. And then, I mean, you're telling me four AFC South championships in a row, while that's not how you want to measure ultimate success, you still think, Hey, that's a shot. We're going to be in the playoffs. Let's see what we can do until we know for a fact, there's going to be uh, some legitimate challengers within our own division. That's going to keep us from getting there. And, And right now I think, you play it until your division wakes up and decides to actually start playing NFL level football. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm going to take a little look around here as far as NFLs, you know, the, the week uh, as far as games and scheduling for this weekend. Cause um, like you said, you mentioned Houston's keeping it close with Philly right now. Uh, last I checked, it was seven to seven, but I think Philly was driving. So it's, it's now it's 14 to seven Philly uh, almost to the two minute warning. Interesting, man. Uh, did not anticipate that for sure. Um, I wanted to get some of your takes because we've talked about them uh, this upcoming or this season thus far. Um, but as we're looking around the league right now, what has been the biggest surprise for you, Davy, this season? Because it seems there's quite a few things to pick from. Because Aaron Rodgers, obviously Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, a lot of quarterback play that's been surprising. But what takes the kick for you? The biggest surprise, just from from how I'm looking at it, is how much better the Dolphins have gotten by giving up their pick for what the 49ers used to get Trey Lance. And so Mm -hmm. you look at it, they've used those three first rounders for Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, now Bradley Chubb. And I thought they would be kind of edging around like, ah, we might make the playoffs, but they've proven they can go out there and play with any team. I mean, they beat Buffalo, Mm-hmm. beat the Ravens, and outside of their starting quarterback getting hurt, which I didn't think Tua was going to be able to do what he's been able to do, he's proven me wrong. Um, I mean, they, they look great. Uh, now, yeah. I will say, if the weather is bad Sunday in Chicago, uh, give me Chicago money line. I think that's one where they the, the Dolphins do slip up there. But even though I don't think Chicago is going to do anything long-term. But outside of the Dolphins, it's definitely the – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady just completely falling off the wagon there, that division. I mean, they still got a chance because no one's got a winning record, but that's, those are my two biggest surprises. I know Steven in the chat says I'm surprised at the Vikings. Yeah. Listen, them getting Kevin O'Connell. I thought during the off season, that's going to open up the passing attack. You look at Justin Jefferson. I know he's not lighting it up with touchdowns, but he has been a difference maker for that team. And they're letting Kirk cousins, play within a system that he feels comfortable. And Kevin O'Connell is just definitely taking that team from the Zimmer years. And, and you're seeing them play at a completely different level. And they're about to go down to watch or go down to Washington and beat, beat them and move to seven and one on the year. Yeah. And they're also adding TJ Hawkinson from basically yeah, steering yeah, it's, him it's, from the oh line. Gosh, it's it's incredible. Was, like, yeah. It, it makes no sense. Coming in with the Giants, they've been a huge surprise. The Jets as well, because you're talking about the Dolphins. The Dolphins are actually currently in third place in the division. We have a three-way tie, obviously minimal margins here as far as win percentages and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins are pushing the chips in 
as we've mentioned, the Jets, I thought I, that was one guy, if we're talking about Titans trade line, deadline, um, Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore. Yeah. No idea what's going on there in-house for the Jets, but obviously they kept him. Um, and even Brandon Cooks. And my thing, I know there was conversations about OBJ, the potential of him being interested in Nashville and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, with no, $1.36 million available right now, I don't foresee them doing anything except, I mean – Picking those practice squad rosters uh, for the Titans, not to get back on them completely, but um, yeah, a lot of a lot of good teams out here that obviously are trying to get better. And again, if the Titans just just lean into this divisional alignment where everyone's bad, they have a, five and two right now. I no idea how we got here because again, the blowout or the the loss of the Giants, then the Buffalo loss. I thought this season, this season was going to be far from over at this point or right in the direction of being over uh, at this point. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued, and I know um, the Packers as well, you know, kind of being trash in some ways. But I'm, I'm looking around the league right now, not a ton of, you know, the Buffalo Bills and Giants lineup on Sunday. Uh, I didn't say the Seahawks. That's, that's one. I, I didn't think Geno Smith would be doing what Geno right. Smith is doing. Like, they realized their backup was better than their starter in Russell Wilson and – uh, they made the right move, and they were able to get a King's Ransom for it in return. So kudos to them for Do you think realizing they, what they had. They, they thought that they had that in Geno prior to this season, or they just said, hey, we're going to get a haul for, for Russell. Let's take it and see what we've got in Geno. I don't think they had what they're getting out of Geno in mind, but I think they knew they had a, a solid guy that could step in and get them to potentially like a – what I used to want to say would have been like an 8-8 eight and eight type season um, is how they probably viewed it. But I mean, they're they're doing even better than that. I know we got 17 games now, so like I, I th- they're probably thinking like ah seven and nine or eight and nine. But but yeah, I'm, I've been really surprised with how they've done, and the Rams just completely fallen off the wagon as well. So. That is nuts. F the picks did not necessarily fail. I don't know if it necessarily worked either, but it put them in an interesting spot. Uh, but we're gonna close the show out with my my guy Chase Green's one of his favorite segments called Fan or Fraud. So if you're watching or listening to us, if you're listening to us, join us next live show and you can jump in whenever we have this this uh, segment here. But Fan or Fraud, basically, give me your thoughts on a couple topics here because I have noticed. I don't know about you, I stream a lot of stuff. Movies are kind of taking a backseat in the sense of going to the theater. So Netflix, I have a love hate relationship with Netflix simply because. Ever since The Office was was let go, I haven't myself subscribed to them. But how do you feel about Netflix? And again, if you're watching with us, tell us what you think as well. But how do you feel about Netflix cracking down on password sharing? Are you a fan or are they fraud? I'm going to go with a fraud of them doing that. But listen, I've had Netflix since I believe 2011. And like, I love it. Like I, I watch Netflix every single night. There's something on there. I just finished like, some I finished the Dahmer documentary. Um, just like it's it's definitely worth the watch. But I mean, whenever I first heard this tray, first thing I did was I called my sister and be like, "Listen, you're you're about to be on your own because <laughs> it's like I know you're living over in Charlotte, but it's like, listen, you this been cool for for the last decade. Like I've been fine with it, but once they start this up, it's like, listen, you've you've been able to graduate, you got a job, you're you're gonna have to to figure this yeah. one out for yourself. It's a, it's a lot to take on, especially we were talking prior to the recording just. Rent prices in Nashville, Chattanooga, but I mean, everyone. I feel like houses are going to be divided. I mean, you're the example yeah. of that here, where people are going to be cutting ties with the, the faithful. I'll share a secret of mine. YouTube TV is one of my favorite things I have found because the unlimited DVR. 
but loophole they have a five person like friends or family list so got people around the area share the login split the cost got hbo all that kind of stuff but netflix you can get out of here i think you're frauds for doing this to people i think you were frauds for cutting you know one of the greatest shows of all time in the office now it's on peacock and you have to watch it with you know advertisements or whatever um, but all that, that to that's yeah. next. Now, once they put the ads in, that's like, I, I'm like, all right, I'm done. I can't, can't do it anymore. I, I feel like that's going to be I'm the watching, line for me. I'm watching my kids grow up where I, I grew up, you know, having to blow in the, the, you know, SNES video games for them to work and like <laughs> the, the, the rabbit ears correct for your signal to come through. They're having to sit here and suffer just watching commercials. <laughs> yeah. So we're spoiled rotten. But uh, next topic here, speaking of Netflix, there is a show that I want to throw out here that I have low-key love for. And I'm a big cook. I, I like to cook. I've never been a baking fan. But give me your thoughts. Are you a fan or is it a fraud with the great British baking show? Have you watched it? Be honest. I, I, I have. So um, being in sports media when the turn of COVID happened, you didn't have sports to talk about. Uh, <laughs> me and my old co-host, Houston Crest, we actually did a segment on the Great British Baking Show. Yes. <laughs> and uh, talking Paul Hollywood. And, I mean, I was doing, like, I don't like it. I love it. And just, like, I mean, just uh, going into to everything that was happening, I'm still not over Ian um, having, I can't even remember the lady's name, but her taking his ice cream out and basically ruining his chances yeah. for the show. Uh, I, I didn't get past, listen, like I, I kind of called it after the first season, but I was like, I really enjoyed the first season. It's like, I might eventually get back, but we got rid of the segment because sports finally started to come back. But uh, I am a fan of the great British baking show. And I mean, you've already said you loved it. So it's, yeah. you you see the appeal there. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you as far as like, I, I can watch YouTube and get like sucked into a rabbit hole and just like be there for hours. Diners, dive-ins, and drives with the mayor of Flavortown, the man Guy Fieri, is a guy that I can just watch. But like you said, Ian Hollywood, or what's his name, Hollywood? Paul, Paul Hollywood. Paul Hollywood. Yeah, Ian was the guy that just got like he, he got screwed over as one of the contestants. Gotcha. But gotcha. But, neither here nor yeah. there. Paul Hollywood has the has the gusto. They've got the personalities. But also the amount of things that you can learn watching a baking show, having never watched someone make fondant or whatever the hell it is, it's like the craft in, in itself. But um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, World Series happening. happening. Uh, I don't know if it's tonight, but obviously this week. Been back and forth. Bryce Harper is a guy. Are you a fan of this guy, or is he a fraud? Is it a Braves love-hate? Is it a thing that you just don't like the cocky, I'm, you know, first overall pick guy? I, I'm not a big baseball fan. I'll, I'll come out and say that. I would say I'm a, a regional I'm a bandwagon Braves fan. Whenever they're doing well, I'm tuning in. Like I was yeah. watching the ride and I was, I was rooting for them, but I'm not going to come out here and say like, Oh, I've been a, a diehard Braves fan for years and years. Like, no, that's, that's not me. But listen, Bryce Harper has been able to create some drama over the years, the cockiness, the brashness of he's not going to care about anything else. I love that. That's like the thing that like, if you make yourself become public enemy, number one, for a lot of people, I think you're doing sports the right way. Right. And so, I'm, I'm going to be a fan on that one because that's what I look for whenever I'm, I, I think baseball is a hard sport to get into as far as it being enjoyable. So whenever you can do stuff like that, I used to say the only time I'm going to talk about baseball is if um, there's a, if there's a brawl or a cheating scandal. And so, <laughs> and Bryce did, he helped with the brawl part. So I'm, I'm a fan of Bryce. I am a fan. It's funny that you say that to think of like, him coming out and yes, like you're saying the persona, the the whole, I mean, the attention he probably got at a young age probably puts him in a position just to be bred as that guy. 
but he's stuck around obviously going to philly he's he's hitting dingers in, in this in the the world series this week um he's just one of those guys that i you love to hate but whenever he does well it's like all right good for you man you've been you've been through enough kind of hell to to really make it count but um let's close it out with this one davy i know it's obviously halloween how was your halloween did you go crazy or anything I watch Monday Night Football, man. Like it's, it's since, since I've I've moved uh, a few months ago, still trying to get acquainted to the area. But it's like, man, if if the NFL's on, like unless it's something that like I've like got mandatory obligations, I need to go go attend to. I'm I'm watching I'm watching the game. So Halloween was uneventful for me. Um, I don't hate it. Stranger Things, my favorite show. Going back to Netflix, uh, cut the check. Um, but yeah, there's that. I guess I, I'm a fan if, if that's what it's going to boil down to. So that, that's where well, I say, I guess I'm a fan of everything, Trey. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of it as well. But I, I know the, the debate happening this week is Christmas music and decorations going up after Halloween. I know some people love it. I don't necessarily love it. I think it's kind of a fraud move because you, how are you going to disrespect Thanksgiving like that? It is something for me, Hall of Fame, if not the greatest uh, holiday, in my opinion, uh, for Thanksgiving. Food, football, family. It's, it's the best of the best. So I, I say hold off on your decorating for Christmas, although I'm not a huge decorations guy in general. But um, Right there with you, man. Good topic. Uh, go, I'm going fraud. I'm going fraud on that. you got to wait till Thanksgiving as well. There's there's no argument for me on that one. Love it, man. I appreciate it. Thanksgiving, <laughs> let's ride. But, Davey, <laughs> man, I appreciate you guys. In case you're watching, listening, however you're consuming this, this audio, this content here, Davey underscore Hudson on Twitter. Make sure and follow him. Obviously, produce him for OutKick contributing as well at Fox Sports Knoxville. Love the guy. Have, have As we mentioned, met at the draft. Had an incredible time there. Um, but, man, it's great to have you. Appreciate you joining. And uh, for anybody that wants to follow him, make sure and do that there. I'll check back with you, Davey, obviously in the future. But, man, I really appreciate it. We'll send this one off for everybody listening, watching. Appreciate you. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. Listening, subscribe wherever you're consuming. And then throw us a rating as well if you don't mind. But Davey, appreciate it, man. Tell us real quick what what you know what you got going on in the meantime with Outkick and with uh, Fox Sports Knoxville. Yeah, so with Outkick right now, primarily working with Outkick 360, Hutton, Chad, Paul, loving it, having some great shows every single day from three to six Eastern. We're just going to keep it going. I mean, we got football right now and a lot to come down. I mean, this weekend we talked about the t- the, the Vols in Georgia, so uh, a lot going on with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you covered there? And then following Tennessee versus Georgia, uh, you can hear me live with Russell Smith and the Bear on the Voluntary Reaction post-game show, live, unfiltered, and we are going until the call stops. So I'm looking forward to what's going to be about a seven-hour post-game show. That go, I might not sleep on Sunday and just have to watch the Titans play Sunday Night Football uh, on a, a, a all-nighter. So it's a we'll true see. Iron Trey, Man weekend right there. Yeah, Trey, I really do appreciate you having me on, man. It's My been pleasure. a blast. Love it. And uh, anytime y'all need anything, y'all just reach out. Appreciate it, sir. Well, all right, if you're listening, thanks again, and happy you have a great weekend. Tighten up, go Vols, and we'll check you guys next week.